This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. All right, Dolph fans, welcome to another episode of Fin It to Win It. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and I am recording live from St. Lucia. I'm here on my honeymoon, but that is not going to stop me from breaking down the Miami Dolphins 2019 schedule and uh, talking about some predictions. I know it's early. We'll do another one of these in training camp at the end of the preseason, uh, right before the beginning of the season, but now feels like a really good time as the Dolphins have, generally speaking, finalized their roster. Uh, they've, they're not going to make any game-changing moves with the exception of potentially change or trading safety Rashad Jones, which there's some writing on the wall that that may end up happening anyway. So uh, will not be an unforeseen development if it does happen. But in the meantime, we're going to work our way through this 2019 schedule that so many people are expecting to see the Dolphins flounder in. Mike Clay from ESPN, he's an analyst there, uh, released a model a couple weeks ago that predicted that the Dolphins were going to go 0-16 and lose every single game. Spoiler alert, that's not how my set of predictions for the Dolphins is going to go. That does not mean I'm going to predict the Dolphins to go 12-4 or 13-3 like Mark Sanchez did on NFL Network with the New York Jets. But with that said... Uh, I, I think the Dolphins will surprise versus the general narrative around their football team. And there will be casual fans of the team at the end of the season that will roll their eyes and say, wow, another mediocre season. But I encourage you to not lose the perspective of understanding what this Dolphins team is, understanding there are major philosophical changes with the, the way this team is being built, with the way they approach the draft, with the way they approach the salary cap. And if the Dolphins were to finish this season somewhere between 6 and 10 and 9 and 7, you know, it is progress because the record will be a much better indicator of where this team actually is but they're also setting themselves up for significant success in the future because of the way they've shed a bunch of bad weight off of their salary cap, the way they have two picks in each of the first six rounds of the 2020 NFL draft. For now, we'll see what they do with that draft capital. But for right now, for today, while I'm sitting here overlooking the beautiful Atlantic Ocean, the Caribbean, On my honeymoon, just got married over the weekend. I figured what better time than right now while I have this beautiful landscape in front of me to reflect. 
on what I've accomplished in my personal life than to reflect on what the Dolphins have ahead of them for the 2019 season. So we're going to work our way through this roster. Uh, 16 games, we'll make a prediction for each and every one. We'll make another one of these sets of predictions after we know what the final 53-man roster looks like at the end of August. Week 1, Miami Dolphins are playing at home the Baltimore Ravens. Here's the good news. It's a 1 o'clock game in South Florida. Miami's going to wear white, so Baltimore's going to be hot as hell wearing colored uniforms at a 1 o'clock kick on September 8th. Here's the bad news. The Ravens have historically kicked the Dolphins' ass every single time they've played them ever since the Dolphins beat the Ravens in 2007 to avoid going 0-16. I know Dolphins stole one game in that time span since that that game in late December, that overtime game, uh, to avoid going to 1-0-15 on a year. Um, but generally speaking, Baltimore and the way that that roster is built They love to play physical. It's a way that Miami is going to hope to emulate going forward. Uh, They want to be much more physical up front. You saw that with the additions of Christian Wilkins. You saw that with the addition of Michael Dieter. You see that with their general approach to adding defensive linemen, knowing that they're going to be a pass rush hungry football team. They are still adding stout players. The signing of Adolphus Washington. Um, The interest that they had in Trey Flowers. Letting Cam Wake walk. It's a a very different approach to the defensive line, but I don't think it's going to be enough. And uh, the the Dolphins do have young athletic linebackers on the second level, but the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, a very speedy threat at the quarterback position, a full year as a starter, not a full year as a starter, but starting experience down the stretch, took the Ravens to the playoffs last year, took over at the bye week. Uh, Expect him to be better. I know the Ravens have really adopted a lot of spread concepts from other teams at the college level that will play to the strengths of Lamar Jackson. I think that's a very difficult matchup for Miami just because they've got a lot of fresh faces They're trying to implement a physical style of play along the line of scrimmage, but the Ravens have been that physical style of play. So I do predict this will be a loss in week one for the Miami Dolphins, and you know some people will predict the sky is falling, the tank is on, whatever. It's fine. You know, the, the Ravens own the Miami Dolphins right now. It is what it is. I look forward to a few years from now when this roster build is complete, and the Ravens will not play bully ball with the Dolphins, and the Dolphins can physically hold their own. Week 2, September 15th, the White Throwbacks make their debut. It is another 1 o'clock kickoff. The New England Patriots come to town. And man, I really want to pick this as a win for the Miami Dolphins. I don't think I can, though. Uh, the, the Patriots, uh, last time that they were in Hard Rock Stadium, They experienced the Miami Miracle. Dolphins went toe-to-toe with him. It's the Brian Flores, Bill Belichick, 1.0. There's a lot of dynamics here. Uh, The the Dolphins are looking to adopt and and borrow a lot of concepts from the Patriots as it relates to team building and roster construction and and defensive philosophies, looking to play multiple. They they brought a couple Patriots over, Eric Rowe being one, in addition to the guys that they brought over from the coaching staff and 
I can't bring myself to project this Dolphins team to beat the Patriots, but I would not be surprised if they do. So I'm going to go with 0-2 to start the year. Uh, Two home losses, Baltimore and the Patriots. It's two tough matchups. Now, the Dolphins do have a couple things going for them in this Patriots game. Um, Patriots tight end has been suspended. Ben Watson just handed down a four-game suspension, so they'll miss him. They also do not have Rob Gronkowski. Uh, But the Patriots are getting Isaiah Wynn back. First-round pick out of Georgia last year, playing on the offensive line. He's probably going to replace Trent Brown. Sony Michelle will be there. Tom Brady is there. Julian Edelman's locked in. So I think there's enough continuity there with the Patriots that I, I think they'll probably be able to play well enough to win this football game. But Miami is a team that has historically matched up well with the New England Patriots, and the Patriots have a hard time here. So flip a coin. I know it's crazy to say that the, the, the Miami Dolphins are a coin flip game with the New England Patriots, but I genuinely think they have a legitimate chance to win the game. I just can't project them to win the game. So 0-2 to start. Uh, then we go on the road, week three, at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys really gearing up towards a, a potential deep playoff run, uh, like what the Cowboys have done to really maintain the core of their team. they got to figure out who they want to sign going forward. They're going to sign Dak Prescott. They're going to sign Ezekiel Elliott. Um, but Tyron Smith is healthy. Uh, they got Connor Williams, who is the top 50 pick on the offensive line. Uh, Travis Frederick's coming back from injury as well. This is a really good offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys, and this defense is one of the best in the league. The front seven is phenomenal. It's the Dolphins' first road game. It's in Jerry World in Dallas. That's a very tough assignment. I'm going to choose the Dolphins to also lose this football game and fall to 0-3 to start the season. But the sky is not falling because the very next week, the Chargers come to town. Still September, September 29th, the Chargers have to come across the country and play a 1 o'clock kickoff game. And I think this is the game that the Dolphins steal, that they have no business stealing to start the season. I'm projecting that the the Dolphins will win this football game. Chargers coming from West Coast to play a 1 o'clock game. They're going to play in the heat, the South South Florida heat. And that is a very tough task. And the Dolphins have had a lot of success against the Chargers in recent years. They match up well with them. The Chargers are not a team that has a dominant offensive line. they got some good skill players. They've got Phillip Rivers. Defensively, they're soft on the defensive line. So they're not going to give the Dolphins fits in that area. They're soft at linebacker. So I really, really like this matchup for the Dolphins, especially when you consider the dynamics of having to come across the country. So bye week is week five, but I project the Dolphins will enter the bye week at one and three, maybe, maybe two and two, but I wouldn't bet on it. Give me three or one and three. Bye week, week five. Then they play the Redskins at home. Uh, by this point in the season, you may potentially be looking at Dwayne Haskins taking over as the starting quarterback. And I've got Brian Flores having an opportunity to coach against a rookie quarterback, a team that doesn't have a lot of dominant skill players 
And if they did have dominant skill players, they're young skill players. You got Jordan Reed there as the tight end position, but their wide receivers, by and large, it's Trey Quinn in the slot, who was a rookie from last year. They get a lot of reps. Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon. So Josh Doxson's been not been able to live up to his, his potential as a football player. So uh, I think the Redskins will have enough flux where this is a game, a home game in, in mid-December or mid-October that I feel comfortable, even though the Redskins have a very stout defense. I, I like a lot of what they bring. I don't think they're a special defense, but they're a very physical brand of defense. But I think this is the kind of team that the Dolphins can have success against. And they're coming against them off the bye. Give me a win at home against the Washington Redskins to move the Dolphins to 2-3 and three in their first five games to start the year. Now, they have to go to Buffalo. The good news is they're not playing in Buffalo in December. That in itself is progress. They're playing there in mid-October, October 20th, a 1 o'clock kick. They're playing at the Buffalo Bills. Here's the bad news. Uh, Josh Allen ripped the Dolphins' defense a new one both of the times that the Bills played the Dolphins. They couldn't tackle him. They couldn't sack him. They couldn't generate pressure on him. And Josh just waited it out, allowed somebody to uncover. So the, the big question in this matchup for me is how do you find success pressuring Josh Allen into making bad decisions quickly? Because if you let him hold the ball and you can't get him off his spot in the pocket, he's eventually going to tear you up because he's going to be willing to wait it out. Big, strong body in the pocket can't tear him down. Now, this is a road game in Buffalo. Buffalo arrows pointing up for this football team. I will project this to be a loss for the Miami Dolphins. They will fall to 2-4 and four on the season with a road loss against the Buffalo Bills. Week 8, we get an extra day. Because we're playing on Monday Night Football, and I have no idea why the NFL thought it would be a good idea to play these Miami Dolphins on prime time on Monday night, but here we are. They're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. The good news, Steelers are a team in a little bit of disarray. Had to trade Antonio Brown. Ben Roethlisberger's getting up there in age. There's some murmurs and, and whispers about discontent with uh, the relationship of Tomlin and Roethlisberger versus the way he treats every other guy on the roster there. Uh, But at the end of the day, the Steelers are a team that are still in a winning window with a veteran quarterback, and they're playing at home. That's a very difficult thing for me to get behind to suggest that the Dolphins could upset Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh in primetime. Dolphins do not play well in primetime, period. So give me a loss here. They're going to 2-4. and Week 9, home game, New York Jets. Adam Gase revenge game, potentially. But I say no. The Dolphins, I think the Dolphins project favorably against the New York Jets. The big matchup advantage for the New York Jets is the defensive interior for the New York Jets. They've got Leonard Williams and Quinnen Williams, and we don't know what the Dolphins' offensive line on the inside looks like. But we've entered the back half of the season before we've had to play, so you've got eight weeks to have an opportunity to really solidify yourself and get yourself to a point where there's some chemistry with your offensive line. You see teams that are able to, uh, I don't want to say survive, but the, the longer you go and the deeper you go into the season, if health is on your side, 
you will get more chemistry, and the Dolphins have so many moving parts on the offensive line where you've got Laramie Tunsil, you've got a potential rookie starter at left guard in Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore coming back from injury. He only played four games last year. And you've got Jesse Davis or Chris Reed potentially at right guard, or Chris Reed could push for starting at center and push Kilgore off that spot. And then you have uh, at right tackle the addition of Jordan Mills. And Jordan Mills, being a new player on this team, uh, will need a little bit of time to to settle in. But I think the Dolphins, if, if they're healthy up front, which I am assuming they are for this exercise, I feel like they can at least solidify themselves a little bit and, and kind of pull themselves up uh, to a point where they can survive the the onslaught of Quinn Williams and Leonard Williams on the defensive interior for the New York Jets. Uh, Jets do not really scare me on the boundary with their skill players. They don't scare me tight end. They got Le'Veon Bell. That's great. But give me Xavier Howard on a lockdown situation against Robbie Anderson all day long. The Dolphins feasted and made bad decisions come from Sam Darnold last year. I have no reason to feel otherwise until I see otherwise. So give me a win in this game at home against the New York Jets. So that will move the Dolphins to three and one, two, three, four, five, three and five at the halfway point, eight games into the season. We'll be right back after this brief pause from another one of our podcasts here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Want more great NFL content? This is Kyle Madsen, co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. Check out my podcast and other NFL podcasts on the network by searching Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast players. All right, let's get weird. Second half of the schedule. Not a good start for the Dolphins. they got to play the Colts in Indianapolis. And the Colts are a team for me. I look at the job that Chris Ballard has done to build up this roster. It's a problem. They're going to be a problem for the AFC. I genuinely feel if 2019 is not the year 2020, this Colts team is going to be tough. I love a lot of the additions that they made. Some of the early picks that they made. Rockison, the first pick that they made at cornerback, will probably need a year or two to come into his own because he's got some raw components to his game. But this team completely overbuilt the offensive line. They drafted Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith in the 2018 draft, both in the first two rounds. Those guys both started. They had great success. They kept Andrew Luck upright. They kept him healthy. This team signed Devin Funches on a short-term deal, uh, a possession receiver to complement the speed that they have with T.Y. Hilton. And then defensively, they continue to add pieces. They love big, long, athletic linebackers. They had Darius Leonard last year in the second round, who's one of my favorite picks and prospects, and he really materialized and had a tremendous season. They drafted Bobby Okereke to supplement that this year, as well as a couple other linebackers. Uh, they signed Justin Houston to kind of supplement as a veteran presence uh, their pass rush room. They, they've got guys like Kamoko Ture and uh, Tyquan Lewis from Ohio State, who were young picks in last year's 2018 draft. So really exciting roster for the Indianapolis Colts. I love what this team is doing, and I do not see very favorable situations for the, the, the Miami Dolphins. It's similar to the matchup issues that the 
the Ravens present to the Dolphins, but they've got a better quarterback in Andrew Luck. So I'm going to predict that as a loss. The Dolphins fall to 3-6. and six. Home game, Buffalo Bills. Give me a win here. We're going to go to 4-6 and six on the season. Dolphins are going to get a divisional win against the Buffalo Bills. They're going to go to 2-2 two and two on the division uh, with this victory over Buffalo. It's November 17th, so it's a Week 11 game. I don't think the Bills present a ton of options or, or matchup issues that are going to be troublesome as the Dolphins look to, to assess their options with coverage, right? Uh, and I, I really love that the Dolphins are embracing, let's get the best players on the field for this team. That includes defensive line. That includes the secondary. So I don't think matchup issues aside of the pass rush, which we talked about when the first game, uh, or as much of a problem here as it is strictly how do you create that havoc and, and force that team to have miscommunications and have errors. And Josh Allen, while he was really good against the Dolphins, uh, unforced or forced and unforced errors were issues for him that were really prominent in his rookie season. And I think that that can continue because I feel like Josh had so far to go and his perception was really aided by playing the Dolphins twice in the last six games that they played. Well, the Dolphins were really stressed in the secondary. They had a ton of injury issues. And I think Brian Flores can at least coach up enough errors that they can create some havoc and make some errors happen and force Josh Allen into some turnovers, and it's a home game. It's a 1 o'clock kick in November in South Florida for a team that plays in northern New York. I think the weather's a factor. I think the home field advantage is a factor, and I think those two things combined with Brian Flores' coaching acumen and ability to put together a defensive game plan can create enough forced errors for Miami to steal a game against Buffalo and kind of tip the scales back in their favor. Four and six. So moving ahead, the next game is a road game against the Cleveland Browns. And boy, in any other year, you could mark this down as a potential win. But this year, the Browns are all in. They've got Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, uh, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku. They've got a really exciting group of offensive skill players. Nick Chubb at running back. They also have Kareem Hunt will be back at this point in the season in week 12. And uh, defensively, this team's filled with studs as well. This is a really scary football team. This team will also be a problem. A home game, Cleveland, Ohio. Go ahead and give me a loss just because I think the Browns, they are so far ahead of the Dolphins as far as a rebuild, which is crazy to think about because this team just in, just finished enduring 1-31 in, in a two-year stretch. They won one football game in two years. But that is the kind of evidence that you can point to as a fan of the Miami Dolphins and get excited about what your team is doing, right? Because all of a sudden, the Cleveland Browns have gone from one of the most hopeless football teams in football. They have success with several early picks. They're able to get aggressive because they have a ton of cap room, which was the vision that Sashi Brown brought to this football team. And suddenly, this team is bursting at the seams with potential. So that's the silver lining for the Dolphins here in a loss that will drop them to 4-7. and seven. 
think about what the Browns can represent for the Dolphins and their rebuilding process because I don't think the Dolphins bottom out the same way that the Cleveland Browns did. And they potentially already have their quarterback if Josh Rosen materializes the way that we hope he does. So four and seven, loss at Cleveland, and then they come home on December 1st and play the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to lose this football game. (laughs) The Eagles are another one of those teams that are very far along, much like the Dallas Cowboys. They're, They're primed and ready for a Super Bowl run, a deep playoff run. Uh, This team checks a lot of boxes and has a lot going for them from their skill players. Tight ends with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Tight ends has been an issue for the Dolphins for covering tight ends for seemingly forever. And Brian Flores, we don't know how he's going to hope to mitigate that, whether that's Minka Fitzpatrick or Jerome Baker or somebody else, but we know he's not going to do what Matt Burke did and leave Raekwon McMillan to the task because we saw Raekwon McMillan get torn to shreds. But the Eagles have multiple tight ends that are successful. Uh, Doug Peterson is one of the brightest offensive coaches in the NFL. Uh, this is not a favorable matchup for the Miami Dolphins, so we're going to fall to 4-8 over the home loss before we go on the road and play the New York Jets. And I really want to give the Dolphins a win here. Mark Sanchez is probably somewhere in a corner scoffing at the prospect that the Dolphins would beat the Jets twice in the same season. But I don't trust Adam Gase. I know that may be a little bit of bias from having seen what Adam Gase has been after three years in Miami. But the Dolphins have had success. Again, they've had success with their personnel matching up with the New York Jets. The Jets have a promising young quarterback, but guess what? So do the Miami Dolphins. And I would argue that the Miami Dolphins' pass catchers are better than those of the New York Jets. This will be a cold football game, but this will not be an exceptionally cold football game. So give me a win for the Dolphins. They're going to take two from Adam Gates and the New York Jets in a season in which the Jets are projected to really make a push for the playoffs. And I appreciate what the Jets have done, adding Le'Veon Bell, adding KO assembly on their offensive line, really upgrading that piece as well. But they didn't upgrade offensive tackle. They didn't upgrade tight end. They didn't upgrade the wide receiver position. So those things combined, I don't think the Jets really did enough against a team like the Miami Dolphins who have better coaching because I know what Adam Gase is. And they have a young quarterback who the Dolphins have had success trapping and forcing into bad decisions to this point in his career. So five and eight. For the Miami Dolphins, not bad for a team that was supposed to lose every single game in 2019. And guess what? We got more winnable football games on the schedule. We got to play the New York Giants on 12-15, week 15 matchup against the New York Giants. This is a matchup that many were projecting to be the Tua Bowl before uh, the 2019 NFL draft and before free agency opened. Well, the Giants need a quarterback. The Dolphins need a quarterback. Guess what? Both these teams potentially got quarterbacks. Miami with Josh Rosen in the trade and the Giants taking Daniel Jones with a top 10 pick. Uh, this is not the Tua Tagovailoa Bowl anymore, but this is a matchup between two teams that uh, still have a ways to go. But I'll tell you what, I like the Dolphins better than I like the Giants. I like their quarterback situation better. Josh Rosen, um, 
I, I really want to buy in on his potential. We obviously need to see how that materializes, but we've got positive feedback. Receivers like Jakeem Rent, Kenny Stills have talked about they like the way Josh Rosen throws the football. They like the way Josh Rosen has been present in the wide receiver meeting rooms, making himself available, talking about what he expects when coverages look a certain way. Uh, early on in OTAs, and he's really following the lead of Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you're hearing a lot of positive feedback from Brian Flores, Dolphins teammates, on Rosen making himself available and, and being an active, present personality in that locker room. And that is such a change and shift from what Ryan Tannehill was. Not to say Ryan Tannehill was a bad guy, but Ryan, by and large, kept to himself and was considered kind of, uh, I don't want to say a loner, but he wasn't a guy that really got along with his teammates. And at the quarterback position, you need a guy that can have those really strong relationships and have that chemistry with his his teammates. And I feel like that's why you really saw Ryan throughout the course of his entire career in Miami really struggle to gain some traction. So with Josh having that on his side early on, if that continues to materialize, you know, we're at the end of the first year together. If everybody stays healthy, if Albert Wilson doesn't get hurt like he did in 2018, if Jakeem Grant doesn't get hurt the way they did in 2018, uh, Josh is really much better than Ryan was at throwing the deep ball. So Kenny Stills has potential to really open up his yards per catch average and really push the ball down the field. We might finally get the breakout season from Devontae Parker that we've been waiting on for five years. So a lot of positive potential here that as you get into the back half of the season, if everybody stays healthy, you can get really excited about for the Miami Dolphins. And the New York Giants have a lot of youth in the defensive secondary. Uh, they, they invested first-round pick in Yohanry Baker. They used a supplemental pick on Sam Beal in 2018. Uh, they don't really have prominent pass rushers on the outside either. They chose to forego that to take another defensive tackle in Dexter Lawrence to complement what they already had there in Dalvin Tomlinson. So the Giants are a team that I don't think is going to stress the Dolphins in a lot of their areas of primary weaknesses. And because I like the quarterback situation of Josh Rosen and where he should be at based on what the feedback that we've gotten so far from his teammates is, give me a win for the Dolphins in New York against the Giants. So two successive wins in New York against the Jets and Giants would move the Dolphins in this situation to 6-8. and eight. And I can already hear the casual fans. Oh boy, here we go again. We're going to go 7-9 and nine again like we always do. But remember, there are significant philosophical changes at place Two draft picks in every round of the 2020 draft. We're going to have one of the, the highest amounts of open and available salary cap space entering the 2020 offseason. So these are things that the, the Dolphins in the past three or four years have had to consistently restructure their big contracts just to make enough salary cap space to sign one guy. And now they have a plethora of cap space. They have a plethora of picks and if you assume that they hit on their picks and if you trust this scouting staff, then they're going to be in great place, even though in this projection, they're 6-8 and eight with two games to go. Week 16, Cincinnati Bengals game. It's a home game. Give me a revenge victory after the way the Dolphins choked away the game against the Bengals last year. They had a bunch of turnovers. Zach Sterb had a big hand in it. Ryan Tannehill threw two interceptions in the fourth quarter of this game. And they, they to be honest, they crapped the bed. This was a game that they should have won. They started the season hot. 
They won a lot of football games. And then they needed to come back and win this football game if they were really going to make a push. Uh, They beat the Titans, the Jets, and the Raiders. They lost. They got their butts kicked by the Patriots in a game that was like, okay, this is is the year. If the Dolphins are are really going to turn the corner, they need to be able to take a win against the Patriots who were were floundering at the time. And they lost to 38-7. And then they go to Cincinnati, and they have an opportunity to win that football game, and they lose 27-17. Give me a win. Why? Rookie head coach. The Bengals did not make a change at the quarterback position. You know who Andy Dalton is. This team's offensive weapons are Joe Mixon and A.J. Green. And those are good weapons. But the Dolphins had this football team last year. And they let them off the hook because of stupid turnovers, stupid play calling, and I think if you just eliminate those mistakes, and I think this team will play much more disciplined under Brian Flores, this is a winnable game. So the Dolphins will move to 7-8, and eight, a three-game winning streak here in December, which is really promising now, to win football games late, including two of those being on the road. And then, of course, you have the Patriots. Week 17, a couple days after Christmas. It's on the road in New England. The question is, does New England have the bye wrapped up? If they do, maybe they sit everybody. Dolphins can steal that moral victory win and move to 8-8. Eight and eight. But I can't assume that. And at the end of the day, the Patriots are a more talented team. They're a more established team. Give me a loss in New England. Go Having to go north to play in Foxborough, those are not friendly confines. The Patriots are right back in their home turf. They're back in the time of year that they play their best football late in the year. So the Dolphins will finish this season at 7-9. The same record that they did last year, but again, remember, much more favorable forecast moving forward because of the new plan that they have in place. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Fin It to Win It. Hope you enjoyed the walk through the 2019 regular season schedule for the Miami Dolphins. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at GrindingTheTape. Uh, You can read some of my Dolphins work at USA Today's Dolphins Wire. I'm the lead editor there. We're making posts every single day. And, of course, make sure you hit subscribe on Fin It to Win It and you follow along with all of the other great podcasts that we have on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, We have so many talented hosts that are able to dedicate themselves to specialized podcasts. Make sure you see everything that we have to offer. Thanks again for listening to Fin It to Win It. 